welcome to A Look Behind and Rewind. I'm your host, Tom Nielsen, and this is a new podcast series about memories, remembering, digging up old stories and giving them new life in a new time and place. We all have these kinds of tales, and I've certainly got a few myself. Many of them are funny, some are thought-provoking, and hopefully a lot of them will be entertaining. So without any further ado, let's start with the first one. If any of you are baby boomers, you probably remember a TV show in the 1950s that came on in the late afternoon. It featured a lot of teenagers dancing. Yes, that's right, just dancing. It was called American Bandstand. It originated in Philadelphia, and the host of the program was a clean-cut young man himself, Dick Clark. In later years, when he was already in his 40s, many still called him the world's oldest teenager a nickname he could never quite live down. Well, over the course of a few years, back in the 1970s, I managed to cross paths with Dick Clark. First and foremost, the college that he and I both had in common, Syracuse University. Also in New York City, when he was taping the game show $25,000 Pyramid. And just a short time after that, in Huntington, West Virginia, where he served as the Grand Marshal of a big town parade organized by the local TV station, where I just happened to be working at the time. In addition to the parade, the TV station also produced an hour-long special called Young Ideas, in which student journalists from all over the tri-state area of Ohio, West Virginia, and Kentucky were invited to come in and ask questions about American Bandstand, music in general, teenage culture, and, of course, personal questions about Dick Clark himself. Here are just a few of the questions the teenagers asked that day. I want to know how you got into show business. Well, I don't know. How old are you? Sixteen. When I was three years younger than you were, I went to see two men. Their names were Gary Moore and Jimmy Durante. I don't even know if you know who those people are. But in those days, they had a radio show. And I went to see them, and I thought, gee, wouldn't that be a great way to make a living? There wasn't a lot of television in those days. So I, uh, I started thinking about it when I was 13. I went to Syracuse University and uh, studied radio and television and advertising and became a disc jockey when I was in college because uh, they wouldn't let me do anything else. And I did imitations in those days, so I cut my hand over my ear and I lowered my voice and sounded like a disc jockey. That's how it started. There are some really great questions the kids had during that taping. Here are a few more. For editing purposes, I've simply restated some of their questions followed by Dick's answers. Next question, how have kids changed since the early days of American Bandstand? I think basically people are the same today as they were in the 50s and the 60s, but they've pumped much more knowledge into your head than we had when I was a kid. I started on that program when I was 26 years old, and you all in this group now are more sophisticated and mature than I was at that age. So the difference is that there aren't any more young people left. There's been a change a little bit in the moral attitudes of the world because of, uh, frankly, birth control and more widespread knowledge of what goes on. The movies are more uh, worldly than they were when we went to school. You hear things on television that we could, we could never even talk about. People used to worry that the, the twist would make your hair fall out and your teeth turn green. You know, I mean, we live in a very, uh, very naive era in those days. You live in a highly sophisticated world, so you're a lot older than we used to be. Of all the hundreds of artists you've had on Bandstand, who is your favorite performer? We've had over 8,300 people make their first television appearance on American Bandstand. And they range from people that, uh, in what year were you born? In 1960, well, people started appearing on their program in 1952. 
and they were such people as the Four Aces and Patty Page and Joni James and Al Martino and a lot of other people. You're saying, who, who, who is he talking about? Some of the older people are watching say, yeah, I remember. Then we lived through the early rock and roll days. Frankie Avalon and Fabian and Bobby Darren and Connie Francis and Chubby Checker and Bobby Rydell. Then we moved on to the era of the Birds and the Jefferson Airplane and the Carpenters and Neil Sedaka and Dionne Warwick and hundreds and hundreds of people. The one that always stands out in my mind was is an immortal legend in rock and roll, a man named Bobby Darren. He died too early. He was one of the most multi-talented men I ever knew, and he was a personal friend of mine. What's your favorite song? I've, I have a favorite song, and you won't even know what it is because I've got 73 million favorites. But the song that I cherish and love forever is a thing called Misty. It was written by a jazz piano player named Errol Garner. It's one of the most recorded songs of, in history. It's made Errol a multi-millionaire, which uh, we can get into later, the value of a copyright. Uh, you get a song that's recorded 70 or 80 times by all different kinds of artists, and you get yourself an annuity. What are your hobbies? What do you do when you're not on TV? For a guy who works in the, in the music business and travels three and a half million miles in an airplane and all of that, my hobbies are music and travel. Um, I listen to a lot of music. I've got a, a video camera that I, I tape uh, things at home with, you know, uh, like a home movie camera. I swim. I live at the beach. I play a little bit of tennis, not enough. I read a lot, and I travel. Do you think bandstand will ever change? The bandstand's never changed. It's been the same for uh, basically for 24 years. What's changed is the music and the people, the dance styles, the morals and all the rest, and it's just an open window, and you look out at it, and it's a parade of people going by. Years and years ago, people used to say to me, do you think it'll last? I said, I thought it would last for 30 or 40 years. I don't think I can do it that long. But as an art form, it's been copied over 75 times all over the world. I don't think the format will ever wear out. I'm never tired of it. Unfortunately, in a way, it's, it's not good because someday it's going to be canceled. And I will take that as a very big personal hurt because I've protected it from the assassins for over 20 years. And believe me, every... About every two years, I live through some echelon of executives that will say, well, let's get rid of that old turkey. They just gave me the ratings last week, and we got a 35.5% share of audience, which is extraordinary for daytime. Any program that's 24 years old that can draw 35% of the audience on a regular basis and be sold out 52 weeks a year is unique. I love it. I, I love it too much. Because when it goes, it'll be like somebody ran over my pet dog. You know, I won't feel good about it. I'm hoping that I can keep it alive for 25 years, we'll break the all-time record that's now held by as the world turns or whatever it is, and uh, we'll hand it on to somebody else to do, you know, somebody with long hair and uh, not as many wrinkles and sags and bags as I've got. There are a lot of other questions that day, and we'll hear more of them on our next podcast episode, part two of Dick Lark, the world's oldest teenager. I'm Tom Nielsen, and this has been A Look Behind and Rewind. See you next time. <laughs>